0: There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way.
1: Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another additional survival podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, today is December thirteenth, two 2012. And if my brain is working right, it's a Thursday. I do know one thing I'm absolutely sure of. This is part two of two of the Stephen Harris uh, series on battery backup systems. And this is going to be the, like yesterday to me was like the foundation. And today is like we're putting up the house. Now we've learned about the battery systems <clears throat> or the batteries themselves, how to decode all of that jargon, make the right decisions for our applications. So Today we're going to learn how to piece it all together. Absolutely great. Have Stephen ready to go here in just a moment. Before we do, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsor. Sponsor of the day number one today, Backwoods Home Magazine. You know, I've been a subscriber to Backwoods Home Magazine, I guess, for about 15 years, maybe more. Uh, They are, to me, the go-to resource for homesteading information. Check them out today, BackwoodsHome.com. Next up today, KnifeKits.com. You know, the beautiful thing about KnifeKits is a master bladesmith, Looking for Damascus, Damascus steel or buffalo horn or D tools uh, D2 uh, steel tool steel anything like that you can find it. But a person just goes, I, I don't know, I don't even know what that means. D2 tool steel, what I, Damascus? What's it? If you don't know, it doesn't matter because you can go find a kit, and if you don't even know enough to put the kit together, you can get a DVD or a book to go with it. It'll tell you everything you need to know. So whether you're just getting started with making knives and you just want to make something unique and custom that's your own, with your own handle material and things like that, your own colors of bolsters, and be able to say I made this and I made this knife, but the blade itself is already shaped and all. Or you are going to start with raw materials and you've been doing this for your entire life. Knifekits.com is the place to go. Next up, remember to check out TSPGear.com for some really cool gear. I did a video yesterday. It's out on uh, YouTube. On swales, trying to answer more questions about swales. Hopefully I didn't make it more confusing. Um, but anyway, the point of that is I'm wearing my Every Citizen a Sentinel shirt. So you can actually see that shirt in action, so to speak, in that video. I'll throw a link to it in today's show notes so you can find it, though. You're probably going to be so interested in batteries... Uh, it'll, it'll take a back seat. But, hey man, get over to the gear shop. We got some cool stuff in there now. Uh, also TSP Copper, really cool copper rounds. Check that out. AOCS is doing a great job. My wife is kind of the, 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 the sheepdog on that. She oversees it, makes sure that the orders are getting shipped on time. And she's, she told me last night, oh, those guys do a great job. Every time I go in there to check order status, man, they are right on top of it. So. AOCS is doing a great job with the TSP Copper Store. Check that out today because there's some cool stuff there. Last but not least, do uh, consider joining the Member Support Brigade if you are not already a Member Support Brigade member. What does that do? Well, it supports the show at about $0.18.3 an episode. And uh, in addition to that, it pays for itself through the discounts. There's about 36 companies offering discounts to the Member Support Brigade now. And if you're buying stuff, long-term storage food, seeds for gardening, all kinds of stuff for homesteading, anything like that, ammunition. If you're buying any of that stuff at all throughout the year and you use the discounts, the membership pays for itself. That's, that's how I put it together. So consider joining. And you know what? You can get an even better deal if you, have, uh, you know, served us as a law enforcement officer, a member of the United States military, service globally as a member of the Peace Corps, or served us daily as a first responder like a paramedic. All of those types of people I give a a great discount to on the Member Support Brigade. Just email me before you join. The email address is jack at thesurvivalpodcast.com. Put service discount in the subject line and shoot that email over to me telling me who you are and what you're doing or if your prior service, who you are and what you did in the past. All right, that pretty much wraps everything up. Real quick, though, I want to remind you we do have a great contest for 13skills.com for you bloggers out there to blog about us. All the rules were posted yesterday. There will be a link in today's show notes about that as well. And I uh, really want a lot of participation on that. A couple people have asked, well, I don't have a blog. What about me? Read the post. At the end, what we're going to do is the next contest is going to be based on your profile. How how well you've challenged yourself or, you know, have you linked to all your stuff and and things like that. So that will come out. So even people that aren't bloggers that maybe just post in the forum or, you know, however you, you you connect with other people, you know, you can be creative with that. And one guy asked, can you tell me like a TSP-approved blog so that I can do this for you? Don't, no, don't do that. Don't Really, um, the blog contest is for people that have blogs, that like to blog. If you want a blog, there's a lot of great ways to set one up for free to get started and try it out. Go to WordPress.com, get a free blog, and, and, and start playing with it. If you really like it down the road, maybe you get some hosting and move it over, self-host it, and get your own domain name and all. But it's free, it's easy, there's a million things. But don't do it just for this. That's not the point. It was kind of like, we have a lot of people that are listening that have blogs. We'd like to get the word out, hey, let's make it fun and put a contest out and see how creative people can get. So don't feel obligated to do this by blogging. And if you're wondering, well, I don't have a blog. Where's my contest? We'll have one. We'll have one next. We'll probably launch it January 1st when I get a lot of this stuff like closing on my new house off my plate, and I can come up with a cool way to do that. All right. So. That's all wrapped up. Let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show. Like I said, yesterday we had Steve on, and Steve talked to us about everything batteries. Probably more than some of you wanted to know, but hopefully you went went through that and found out the parts you needed to know for your applications, for your safety concerns, for your power concerns, how to hook batteries up, that type of thing. Today we're going to say, okay, now we got the battery. That's one component. Let's hook it all together. Let's go with inverters. Let's look at what, what, what does and does not work. Uh, let's start out with a very simple DC power system. Let's move on to an AC-DC power system. Let's move on to a full battery bank system. And then let's move on to a mobile power station in the back of a pickup truck. And then let's find out how to put solar in touch with all of those things, uh, specifically the mobile system, because that's what I asked. But Once you can do that, you can do it anywhere. That's what he's here to talk to us about today. And before I bring him on... You know, he's got the video product. It's like twenty four ninety five dollars 95 for um, over five hours of HD video. And I told you guys yesterday, I think it would be a good idea to support the work he did and the investment he made in this by purchasing that. If you have any intention of building a backup power system ever, because he's given it cheaper this month than it will be next month, which is a steal, by the way. And it was, you know, the guy's done a lot for the show and he's done a lot to teach us and, you know, that type of thing. Then finally yesterday... After I recorded that, I got to actually watch the videos, Um, not all of them because I didn't have five hours to dedicate to it, but the production quality will blow you away. The, I, I am absolutely blown away by the production quality of the videos. I did not expect that level of a production quality. It's amazing. He did a great job. The first thing I asked is, what did you produce this with so I can use it myself in the future? That's how good it is. I just wanted you to know it's not just the information. It's the quality of the production to go along with the information, which, let's face it, that helps you better absorb the information. So I just wanted to put that out there for him because he deserves the kudos for it because this was done in five weeks. Uh, we tried to do it in a month, but it took him one extra week. That's why we had to delay the broadcast of the show. Anyway, with that, hey, Steven, man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast.
0: Uh, this is going to be uh, a heck of a show, and it's really hands-on, really DIY. Now that you know what battery you want, we're going to tell you exactly what to do with it. So for those of you at home, you can follow along with us with some of the stuff we're talking about right here on the website, www.battery1234.com. So uh, let's get
1: straight into it today, because we've got another show that's probably going to go 90 minutes. Um, how can people start? What's the simplest way that people can have a, a home battery bank, you know, right at home
0: and have some backup power that way? This is as simple as it gets. We are going to start with a DC-only battery pack, no inverter. You go to Walmart, you get a group 29 deep cycle marine battery and you go down the aisle a little further and you get a 6 amp or a 10 amp Schumacher battery charger. It is a smart computer controlled three stage battery charger. The 6 amp one is only 29.95. The 10 amp one is only 39.95. And the marine battery will run you 95 bucks. So if you're going to listen to this in the future what you're looking for, if those brands aren't there, is a computer-controlled three-stage battery charger, not a dumb charger. So someone could be listening to this in 2015 and going, they don't have Schumacher or Walmart anymore. You put the battery in a closet or in a cupboard or in, in the basement on a low shelf, and you clamp on the battery charger, red to positive, black to negative, and you plug in the battery charger, turn it on, and you move it up to its highest charging ability. In this case, it'll be the little red light that looks like a rabbit. Uh, there's a turtle and a rabbit for slow and for fast. Well, I don't know. They don't put words there. I don't know. That will put 6 or 10 amps into the battery, and the charger will maintain the battery at 100% all the time. After it's fully charged, you leave the charger on the battery all the time. When the power fails, you pick up your battery and you put it down on the kitchen or dining room table. Just set it down. It won't harm anything. Just make sure it does not fall off. 50 pounds of battery falling three feet will do a lot of damage to the floor and to your toes. Now you clamp onto the battery posts with a pair of clamps that goes to a single female cigarette lighter socket. This is a 12 volt power socket. Now you have 12 volts coming off the battery. You, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can find a photograph of all the stuff and a link, uh, to these clips on battery1234.com. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you might find one on the shelf of Walmart. Harbor Freight will have one. Radio Shack definitely has a nice one, but it'll cost more money there. Now, after you got the 12 volt socket, now you want a 12 volt splitter. This is one cigarette lighter male plug on it with two to four female sockets on it. You'll want to use the battery for more than one thing. Otherwise, you could just do one thing, charge your phone, and that's it. This is also on the website, and you can also find these at Walmart, Harbor Freight, and Radio Shack. Now, I'm assuming you are going to to be doing this by candlelight or daytime, but go and get your car charger for your cell phone and plug it into one of the 12-volt sockets. You are now charging your cell phone from your big battery. A typical marine battery will fully charge an iPhone over 200 times. So you have plenty of energy. FYI, you should own at least two car chargers for your cell phone. What you really want to own are 12-volt USB chargers. These plug into the cigarette lighter socket and give you usually two USB ports to charge your phone, iPad, or whatever you have off of it. Most everything today charges off of a USB socket. Watch out. There are lots of cheap USB car chargers that only output 500 milliamps. You want one that does at least 1,000 milliamps, and it's better off if it does 2,000 milliamps or 2 amps. Most iPhones will take a very long time to charge on only 500 milliamps, and you want at least 1,000 milliamps to do the job quickly. All iPads and other large pads will want to be charged at 2,000 milliamps to charge them quickly. There are DC car chargers out now in December of 2012 that are 3,000 milliamps, 1,000 milliamp USB plug and one 2,000 milliamp USB plug. I have one on the website I keep mentioning. Now, if you want some light, in the automobile section of Walmart or in the auto store, you will usually find some type of 12-volt LED or 12-volt compact fluorescent light with a cigarette lighter plug on it that you can plug into your battery. Some nice ones are made by a company called Bayco, B-A-Y-C-O. As of December 2012, Walmart is carrying a nice one for about $15 or less. It has a real long cord on it, and it's a compact fluorescent and it only draws 13 watts. One type of these or another should always be in a good car section of any good store, no matter what, your, what year you are listening to this. Now you have communications and you have light. Depending on the time of year, you might even find a small 12-volt fan in the stores that will give you some air movement from a 12-volt battery. Again, everything we just described, phone charging, light and fan, are this is all straight 12 volts. No, and you
1: know we get a lot more efficiency that way as well. I mean it, it there's nothing wrong with an inverter. We're going to get to them in just a bit, but the most efficient use of power from a 12 volt battery is straight up 12 volts.
0: Yeah, it is until you try to want to move that any distance. And then sure. you get into really thick cables when you're trying to move 12 volts. You but can, you're talking short distance stuff here, tabletop backup power. Yep, exactly. And this is, you know, less stuff there is less stuff to go wrong. I mean how much what do you really want in a blackout it could be a short one it could be a long one you want to charge your phone and you want some illumination and maybe you want a fan on you and you can move the battery to your bedroom at night you can move it back to the kitchen you but the, going dc only is as simple as it gets the fewest things to go wrong or break
1: well and then the person that's like going well I want you know a multi battery backup with ac and everything going on with it but i don't have anything right now that can't afford to do that system yet can do this system now done and you've got it and you can always do more later and this gets your feet wet yes it does. that's awesome but let's okay so power goes out i pull out my battery i plug all my stuff into it it just turns into be you know a, a, a sandy or irene event and we're not talking a day here we're talking a while Pretty soon that battery starts to get low on charge. I need to recharge it. What's the best way to recharge that battery?
0: This is where most people would want me to tell you about what type of solar panel to get out. But as you know, Steve Harris does not suggest anyone get any type of any solar panel unless you have a month of food and water put away first what you use to charge your, what use is it to charge your cell phone for 6 months but you got 3 days of food and water the phone will outlive you okay you don't want that plus before and after hurricane sandy here in western pa we had 9 solid days of 100% cloud cover and solar does not work when it's cloudy so the really the easiest way to put some energy back into the battery is to take it out to your car and hook it up with jumper cables from your deep cycle marine battery to the battery in your car and then immediately start the car so the car alternator is going to provide a charge for the marine battery. If you take a marine battery that's 50% discharged and hook it up to your car battery that's 100% charged, the car battery will immediately start dumping a lot of current into the battery. One battery can never fully charge another, and this high current dump is kind of inefficient. That is why you must start the car and let the higher voltage alternator provide a good charge for both the batteries. That way the car battery will be working and ready to go, as well as the battery inside your house, your marine battery, will be ready to go. If you are new to us here at TSP, one, welcome and thank you for joining. Uh, Jack has an incredible show here. And you're wondering why we are not hooking up to the car. The answer is we do hook the inverters up to the car. But I already had a very detailed show on how to power your house from your car, uh, on TSP with Jack, and it's at solar1234.com for you to go and listen to. You know, you mentioned putting your batteries in the basement,
1: and when I was a, uh, you know, mechanic by trade, Whenever we had batteries stored, we always got them up off the concrete on the wood. Now, a lot of people think that's because it discharges. I have a different take on it than that. What say you?
0: The idea that if your battery is sitting on concrete, it'll go dead quicker is a myth. It's been 100% proven incorrect. However, I will tell you why not to set your battery on concrete in your basement the reason is that the basement concrete is usually the temperature of the earth, the ground. And at your latitude, the no more north you go, the colder it is. Up here, my ground temperature is around 64 degrees. And of course, that's all year round. Lead-acid batteries perform worse at lower temperatures. As you might know, on a cold day trying to start your car, it is harder, and that's because it's colder. So if your battery is sitting directly on cool concrete, the battery is going to get cooled down a little bit, and thus it will have a measurable amount of performance loss from being colder. Keep your batteries at room temperature, keep them cool in the summer, and warm in the winter. That's my take, too, so
1: we're in sync on that one. So now, how do we go from the straight DC system one step further and add an inverter to it?
0: That's easy. You go find yourself a 100 or 150-watt inverter for about 20 bucks at Walmart. Walmart, Target, Radio Shack, Kmart, Amazon, <laughs> wherever. And you plug it directly into one of the open cigarette light sockets, and now you have about 150 watts of 120 volts AC ready for you. You'll want to plug an outlet strip into this and have more 120-volt sockets, and now you can plug in your AC phone charger or your wall charger for your phones and charge it up. Plus, you can charge up your Game Boy and other electronics that make the power outage a lot more fun. You can also run some small fans on this. And Note, I suggest small fans, something smaller than 12-inch that blows directly in your face and body rather than a big box fan that tries to move all of the air around the whole room. Again, think small, think low power. Think run silent, run deep. The best lights for you to use on a small inverter like this with your marine battery are going to be 2-watt or 4-watt 120-volt regular LED lights. They are available at Walmart, and you can see my four favorite ones that I like. You can get them on Amazon or you can get them at Walmart. Uh, They're on battery 1234. When you are drawing two or four watts per light, you can have one of these lights on in every major room of your house. You can just leave them on because they draw so little power. A typical 88-ampere-hour Group 29 marine battery running a 2-watt LED light off a small inverter would run for about 500 hours. That's over 20 days of light, 24 hours a day. That would be about 60 days of light if you only used one 2-watt LED light bulb for 8 hours a night. So, get the idea? Low-wattage lights, brighter is not better Two or four-watt LED bulbs are more than enough. If you yeah, and I know
1: a lot of people are sitting there going, that's only a 150-watt inverter, but if we're talking about a single battery and we want to get the maximum life out of it, yeah, we can hook up a bigger inverter to the damn thing, but we're going to drain it a hell of a lot faster if we start using that power.
0: A bigger inverter, will a 150-watt inverter has less electronics in it, so it'll have a smaller draw just sitting there on its own. A bigger inverter will have a little bit bigger draw sitting there on its own, but today it's not much, but it would be more than a couple watts. Gotcha. So I'm going to
1: throw in one more thing on the lights there. I'll keep saying this. And I know you love them too, but the dead-gone LED Christmas lights, you know, uh, the ones I've got, again, a 100 lights on them are a 3.5-watt draw, and, man, do they light up a room.
0: <laughs> and they just make you so happy, don't they?
1: They do make me happy because I can fit one in an ammo can and take it out and have power in the f- I mean it's just it's a cool thing. But you keep saying they're cheap this time of year. I'm going to
0: tell you when they're going to be cheap. After <laughs> December 26,
1: man. <laughs> You'll be able to buy them for nothing.
0: That's right. That's right. Uh, I I try to buy I buy my um, my winter heaters in the springtime and I buy my summer air conditioners in the fall.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, well you mentioned the small, uh, inverter, and I agree, it's one of the most, they're so cheap, and there's so many of them available that are half decent, that it's probably one of the most, uh, useful things that you can have, even if you have a bigger inverter. One is, you know, two is one, one is none, three is for me, we came up with yesterday, right? <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's, it's a great place to start if you don't have much money. It's a great redundancy if you don't. And like you said, if I'm not really using a lot, it's not sitting there drawing a lot to run a fan. Is there anything else you would say is like really a really useful thing to add to this
0: system that's you know affordable and just gets a ton of utility? The best answer to that question is a double A AA or triple A nickel metal hydride battery charger. You want one that will charge between four and eight batteries as fast as in one hour and as slow as in two hours. That's the sweet spot. Make sure you don't get one that doesn't in eight, okay? You, they're cheaper and you won't like it. It just takes way too long. My favorite one is on the website, uh, Battery1234 in Solar, and it does eight batteries in two hours. There is one that does it in one hour, but I think eight batteries in two hours or less is fast enough. Remember what I'm saying. Think small, think low wattage, think simple. Now that you have a AA and AAA battery charger, you can use AA and AAA nickel, metal, hydride, rechargeable batteries. You can use them in your LED flashlight. You can give them to kids and let them have a ball with them in the dark. LED headlamps or your kids' toys, use them to your heart's content. A big marine battery will recharge hundreds of AA batteries. In fact, I did a quick back of the envelope calculation just for you. And that tells me your average deep cycle marine battery can charge around 300 AA nickel metal hydride batteries. And I cover recharging AA and AAA batteries in extreme detail in the TSP show I did with Jack on how to power your house from your car with an inverter. Again, that's on solar 1234. Other things that you can now plug into the 120 volts from the inverter would be a radio. A uh, small TV, and I mean a small one, like a 7 inch LCD digital TV. I have one on the site, and that one draws only 9 watts of power, and it comes with a DC cord too. So you can be DC only. So, you don't even need to use inverter, but most small portable TVs will want to run off 120 volts, and now you got 120 volts. Now, TVs are important because they're a main source of information for us in a disaster. If you had to power a larger TV set, because that's all you had, I have a 28-inch one that I use for a second computer monitor, and it uses 55 watts. Now, if that's 55 watts on your car at idle, that's not very much power. But if that is 55 watts off your marine battery, and you only have one marine battery, then you want to turn on the TV, catch the news, and then turn it off. A typical marine battery will run a 55-watt TV for about 20 hours. That would be for an 88-ampere-hour Group 29 Deep Cycle Marine battery. When you are running off a home battery bank, it is going to mostly be about two things, light and communication, your LED lights and your cell phone, your radio, your TV, or your police scanner.
1: You know, I want to back up just for a second on the battery charger, the triple AA, A battery charger. Yep. I think the Power XMH is the one you're talking about. Yeah. I bought one of those right after the show we did where we talked a lot about them. Yeah. It is the best damn battery charger I've ever owned in my life. And I've gone all to the end-loop uh, batteries,
0: and uh, that has been one of the best decisions I've ever made. And do do you agree with me that the two-hour one is – big enough you don't need the 1 hour one with the bigger power supply on. well
1: when you're charging eight batteries at a time i yeah. mean how many batteries are you going to use at a time when you know you're charging them and um if you even wanted you know more batteries i'd say you're better off with two of these dad gone things cuz then you've got a redundancy yeah. and i'd rather have two of those than one that does the same amount of batteries twice as fast cuz in the end there's, there's there's power in that battery and i only draw so much for so long before, you know, I mean, it, there's a, it's, it's a bucket full of water when it's empty, it's empty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think that I'd rather have two as a redundancy because I could have one sitting in my car running directly off the car and one running off my backup system and I'd be better off that way anyway.
0: Yeah, you would, you would. And anyone who wants to know exactly what Jack and I are talking about, You can go see the picture of it and a link to it at solar1234.com. I have the n loop batteries up there. I have the PowerX charger up there. I have nice little holders for the battery. If you want some step-by-step instructions on how to use it, go back to the TSP show on solar1234.com that says how to power your house from your car with an inverter. I cover AA, nickel metal hydride, recharging, in detail in there, which batteries are the best, why they're the best, which ones you avoid i I, I think that is well, this is one of the most useful things you can have in your house, and that is a double and or triple a battery charger. It makes all the and the, the one, one things you've got. You
1: can- the one you've got does double and triple A's. Right, and you don't have to put them all in at the same time. You can put them in. It independently charges them, and you know which ones are topped off. So if you use two and yank them out and and, and put new ones in, and the other ones are still charging, it's got an indicator for all of them. I think it's the best charger I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, and lots of other chargers make you charge them two at a time. And yeah. it doesn't just, do
1: that. You can put one in, and add more you know, if you got one of them little LED keychain lights and you need to recharge one light for it, you can put one in at a time. That's that's awesome. Now, let's move on though. Um with the you know recent storms we've seen this right yeah one of the most important things in a basement is a sump pump Mm -hmm. one of the worst things in the world is when your power goes out and power tends to go out when we have these things called storms which bring this stuff called rain which is when we most need the sump pump to run true so what kind of you know what can we look at as far as how long we can run a sump pump
0: with uh, a backup system well how long it can run is a very broad question uh, first thing you are going to need is at least an 800 watt inverter. I point you to some on the site that I gave for the show, and the 800 watt inverters are as cheap as 50 bucks. Uh, these don't plug into cigarette lighter sockets. They have alligator clamps and they clamp onto the terminals of your battery. And they have a uh, they have to handle the starting load of the pump, plus they have to handle the load needed to run the pump to pump the water. So if you can get the 1,000 or 1,200 or 15-watt inverter, then do it, okay? If you can only get the 800-watt inverter, it should work for you. I have lots of emails from people that powered their sump pump with an 800-watt inverter on their car during Hurricane Sandy. I went and found really awesome little quarter-horsepower sump pump and it draws only 460 watts. Now, how long your battery will last depends on how fast the water's coming in. Usually, sump pumps do their job pretty quickly, in less than a minute normally. And yes, I've lived in a house with a sump pump, and I know your concerns and fears. So if this little quarter-horsepower sump pump ran for 30 seconds, and it ran for 30 seconds every 15 minutes, then on a typical marine battery, it would last for two and a half days with an 800-watt inverter. So that gets you an idea of how long it'll run. You might have a half-horsepower sump pump motor in yours. You might need a 1,500-watt inverter. But that's twice as big as the quarter-horsepower sump I just mentioned. But, of course, the half-horsepower motor might not run for 30 seconds. It might only run for 15 seconds because it pumps the water out faster than the quarter-horse does. But it needs a larger inverter to do this. So depending on how fast the water is coming in, you got from one to three days of sump pump use on your single marine battery. Now, if sump pump backup is a big concern for you, you might want to have more than one marine battery at home. Just try putting a price on your flooded basement. Then, you know, say, you know, think about how many marine batteries at $94 a piece you might want. Plus, you'll want to be able to run your sump pump and recharge your marine battery off of your car so then you'll have to have fuel stored and I have a whole TSP show again I did with Jack on fuel and fuel storage and it's on the same solar one two three four site you can listen to it anytime you desire so if
1: you know I start to have more than one marine battery does that necessitate that I go out and get more than one charger or if I'm going to charge them collectively do I need a a, a charger with maybe more horsepower a bigger charger
0: Good question, Jack. The answer is maybe, okay? If you have two marine batteries and they're Group 29 deep cycle batteries, about 88 ampere hours each, then you have about, now with two batteries, 180 ampere hours of total battery capacity. If you have that little six amp charger that I mentioned for $29 from Walmart, it would take about 30 hours to charge the batteries to 80%. Again, listen to show number one about battery charging. You'll understand why, just at 80%. And the thing is that with these computer controlled battery chargers, if they're charging for more than 24 hours and the battery is not charged yet, they think there might be something wrong with the battery. A bad cell in the battery would prevent it from getting a full charge. So the charger will shut off and give you an error code after 24 hours. Of course, your battery bank is taking more than 24 hours to charge because you now have a lot more batteries ch- to charge due to no fault of the charger. So worst comes to worst, you'll have to reset your charger every 24 hours and tell it again to start charging. Just turn it on and off. It'll be happy to start charging. It's your little slave. It does nothing but charging for you. The really smart idea is to get the Schlumacher 30 amp battery charger, especially if you have more than one Marine battery. That way, if you're also running a generator to power other stuff in your house for a few hours, you can dump power as fast as you can into your batteries at the rate of 30 amps and then turn off the generator and run silent, run deep on the battery bank. So if you're not going to have a way to recharge your home battery bank for some source of 120 volts, then the 6, the 10, the 12, or 15 amp battery charger will work for you. If you think you're going to get a chance to recharge your batteries from some 120 volt source like a generator, then you want to go with the larger 30 amp Schumacher charger, and that'll be around $75 for the charger. Um, you'll want to go with the larger charger even if you only have one battery because you're going to be dumping more energy in there quicker off of the generator. Now, what Jack said about having two chargers for two is one, one is none, is not a bad idea. If you start off with a 10-amp charger and then upgrade later to the 30-amp charger, then you kind of have two is one, one is none. If you had two marine batteries and you could get two 10-amp chargers, you could charge each one, each one separately up to 100%. That would also work, and that would also give you two as one, one as none.
1: And that would be more for a person that was using them independently. Uh For instance, one down to keep that sump pump running and one up on the tabletop.
0: Yes, yes, true, true. But remember, we're at 120 volts, so you can actually literally run an extension cord from your tabletop all the way down into the basement sure. to the sump pump, and you can do the converse. You can have your battery bank and your sump pump you can have your battery bank in your inverter down in the basement, and you can run an extension cord all the way upstairs uh, because 120 volts goes very far through extension cables with very little loss.
1: I guess my question then is that when we take two batteries, and if we're going to tie them together to increase our overall amp hours yep. and make a true bank out of it, I really want to charge them that way together at the same time if possible, though. Yes,
0: you do. You do. Instead you do. of
1: breaking them apart using two amp char- chargers and bringing them back together.
0: Right, but if you did split them apart and use two 10 amp chargers, you'd be effectively charging at 20 amps, so you'd be okay. charging twice as fast. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So if we want a bigger charger, I want something more than
1: 30 amps. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna knock out a big old battery bank, man. I'm (laughs) gonna have, I'm gonna have reserve, you talk about run silent, run deep. I'm gonna put a submarine backup system in and I wanna be able to, you know, not take a day and a half to charge them. Is there a bigger charger?
0: Yeah, there is one from Schumacher that does 55 amps and it's a lot bigger charger. You, You just don't pick it up with one hand. You pick it up with two hands. The 30 amp one you can pick up with one hand. It's like the size of a lunchbox. It costs about 100 bucks and considering the 30 amp is 75 bucks, you know, going to 55 amps or 100 bucks is not bad. It's even on the shelf of Walmart for now. You know, that could change as they change inventory. It is on Amazon and it's on my websites. I only suggest you get this one if you're going to have, let's say, four more marine batteries or more or you're going to go with golf cart batteries. And then I might even say only if you have four golf cart batteries or more, go with the 55-amp charger. So if you're going to go for a really big battery bank, get the 55-amp charger. It's called the Schlumacher SE-1555. Now, if you want to go higher than 55 amps, Now you're starting to really get into the world of renewable energy, okay? And smart chargers and everything else. And you're gonna go from a hundred bucks all the way up to three, four, five, six hundred dollars. That is why everything I try to teach you, especially as you're starting out, I don't use four hundred dollar renewable energy chargers because those just are not affordable. If it's not affordable, you can't buy it. If you don't buy it, you don't have it. If you don't have it, you can't use it when you need it. And that's why I'm using all these consumer-level things for you. Well, and if you did have the money for
1: it and you just want the stuff to work and you had $400 for a charger versus $100 for the charger, you'd be better off with three more batteries than a $100 charger. That's another way to look at it.
0: Yeah, you would. You'd be better off with two Schumachers at consumer prices than you would be with... One fancy one at $400. Absolutely.
1: So um, how about golf cart batteries versus marine batteries, especially as we start to increase the size of the system? What's your preference?
0: Yeah, if you guys can't see what we're doing, we're starting with the most basic, simple, and we're working our way up a little more complicated every time for you. I talk a lot about golf cart batteries and and the battery bank show number one. Uh, If you've not heard it yet, do go back and listen to it. Marine batteries, you can move around. They have a handle on them. Golf cart batteries are 6 volts each, so you got to have, put two of them together to make 12 volts, and then you string them together as if they were 12-volt batteries, which means you have one 12-volt battery effectively by putting two of them together. You're connecting negative to negative and positive, positive to positive when you're doing 12 volts. The golf cart batteries weigh at least 64 pounds each for the GC2 golf cart batteries. That's the most common size, and that's what my UPS scale says. They weigh 64 pounds, and boy, do they they really are. My personal preference for a home battery bank is to go with golf cart batteries. I'd probably go with at least four of them, and that would be over 300 ampere hours of energy, energy storage. Again, I talk about what an ampere hour is in show number one. If I did get two golf cart batteries, I'd probably stick with the 30-amp charger we just mentioned. If I went four, six, or eight or more golf cart batteries, I'd go with the 55-amp charger.
1: What about an inverter? What size of an inverter are you going to put on these larger battery banks? Let's say two to four marine batteries or two to eight golf cart batteries.
0: The answer to that, Jack, is several inverters. I'm going to have more than one for two reasons. One reason is two is one, one is none, three is for me. The other is that if it's nighttime and I'm just running some LED lights and a small TV and a fan or, or you know, little things like that, it's more energy efficient for me to run these low power devices off of a 200 or 400 watt inverter than it is off the 1500 watt or 2500 watt inverter. I might be running only 10 watts of LED lights at night and charging up a few phones. Heck, I'd do that off a 200-watt inverter, and I'd just leave the 1600-watt inverter off, or I'd leave the 1600-watt dedicated just to the sump pump. I mean, if
1: you did have that 1600-watt inverter sitting there running, you're running 10 watts of light off it, you're probably more than ten running 10 watts of power to keep the dadgum thing cooled down. About that, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, series. it really is in that order of magnitude. It really, the big 1600, 2000, 2500 watt inverter, it literally does draw like 5 or 10 watts. Okay. Okay. Um, it's not 200 watts or anything like that. They are really pretty smart and they're pretty efficient. So, uh, but your little 200 watt inverter just sitting there on its own, it might only draw 1 watt to keep sure. everything going. So that makes sense to power your bunch of 2-watt LEDs off of the 200-watt one. So the answer you, Jack, I'd have at least one 1,500-watt or larger inverter, um, and then I'd have an 800-watt inverter, and then I'd have a 200- or 400-watt smaller inverter. The reason I have the 1,500-watt inverter is not so that I can pull that much power off all the time off my battery bank. Remember, this is a battery bank. It's not a lightsaber of infinite power. But the reason I'm doing this is for large loads running for a small time. My sump pump might be one-half horsepower and need a little more starting current for two or three seconds. Thus, the bigger inverter does this easier. I might want to run the microwave for a few minutes to heat something up, and that takes 1,500 watts. Heck, you know we might want to brew some peppermint tea in the microwave, Jack. Um, heck, you might want to get the 2500 watt inverter. It just handles surges even better than 1500 watt. It's about the 2500 watt inverter is about 65 bucks more than the 1500 watt inverter. So 65 bucks is not much of a problem. Get the larger inverter. Again, I don't want you to think about running things for hours and hours at high current off your battery bank. Even a refrigerator would kill one marine battery pretty quickly, and I know you're just saying to me, can I plug my refrigerator into it? Can I plug my refrigerator into it? If you had one Group 29 88-amp-hour deep-cycle battery and a refrigerator that drew only 200 watts, then that battery would power the refrigerator for a grand total of about five hours. One battery is not the lightsaber you thought it was, Luke, did you? The four golf cart batteries... Uh, at about 300 ampere hours, would run the refrigerator constantly for 17 hours. But then again, you might only be running it for an hour in the morning and an hour at night. Plus, I have a whole TSP show with Jack on how to keep your refrigerator and your freezer cold without power in a disaster, and it's on solar1234.com for you. It's funny. The refrigerator has about two days worth of food in it, and it'll stay cool for itself for about two days. So, like, why are people overly concerned with powering it? Now, what is the bigger inverter good for? Boy, I've had a lot of people email about me about this. That bigger inverter is good for your coffee maker. Your coffee maker draws a lot of power. People don't think it draws a lot of power. It does. It draws up to 1,100 watts or more. But luckily, it does this in about 10 minutes. Isn't that about right, Jack? 10 minutes to make a pot of coffee? Yeah, that's about right. And if you get yourself, I got this coffee
1: made, uh what is it, Mr. Coffee uh, with a carafe, so that after it's done, it doesn't use any heat. It's It's sealed up in there. And that's what, I mean, even not just for backup power, just for energy usage. If you uh, you get one with the cariffs that there's no heater underneath them, then as soon as it's done making coffee, you're not drawing any more power.
0: Yeah, because after the coffee is brewed, you want to unplug it from the inverter because if it does have that feature to keep the pot warm, it'll suck down the power in your battery faster than you're sucking down your morning cup of joe. And if you don't
1: have the cariff like I'm talking about, get a thermos. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to keep <laughs>
0: coffee hot for a few hours brew your coffee, and fill up the thermoses, you will make probably a lot of friends, especially if you, you know if it's cold outside and there's a blizzard and you see those linemen down the street coming down to fix the power, you go out to those guys with coffee and donuts, okay? And you can pretty much bet your house is going to be back up in a couple hours. And Either that or hot chocolate. Hot chocolate and, you know, something. I mean, those guys are working 18-hour days, and they would probably really appreciate it. Now, let me give you a really good example. Jack, you are just going to absolutely love this. I'm going to give you guys some real energy numbers so you really get an idea in your head about how much energy is in that battery bank. If you took the energy to run your 1,100-watt coffee maker for 10 minutes, okay, and you used that energy in a battery to run a single 2-watt, 120-volt LED light from Walmart, that light bulb would run for over 100 hours. Yeah, you can either have 10 minutes for your coffee or you can have 100 hours of light. And since you only run that LED light for eight hours a day, that would mean you got 12 days of light for your 10-minute pot of coffee. 10 minutes of coffee, 12 days of light. (laughs) Your single marine battery will make about five pots of coffee.
1: I'll tell you what that is a good case for. It's called a percolator and uh, a gas uh, stove. That's, uh, that's a good case for that.
0: <laughs> Shorty Anzello uses a French press and he loves oh, yeah. He loves using his, 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 uh, his French press.
1: We used to sell those in the gear shop, and with the old shops closing down and going into the new shop, we don't have any in there right now, but we're going to be having, uh, I don't think you've ever seen these, Steve. We have these really awesome French presses, and they're branded for TSP, but you can get them, I can't think, it's like a big hiking outdoor store sells like a just unbranded version of them, and uh, they have even a little hidden compartment in the bottom, and you can keep enough coffee inside, the mug to make about uh, three cups, and each cup is like a big 16-ounce cup of coffee, and we'll have those back soon. But French presses are definitely where they go. I use them in the office all the time. I have in my office one of those electric kettles to boil water here, and I've never made a cup of coffee in a coffee maker here once. So that's, that, that's another great idea is French press or a
0: percolator. You see what I mean? I mean, I've probably gotten 100 emails about a coffee maker. You get people talking about coffee, and they just go and go on it because they love their coffee, and they've got to have it.
1: And if you um, can make hot water, if you've got a French press, you can make all the coffee you want, and you can make mom's coffee nice and weak and dad's coffee nice and strong and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, it, you know, when we look at like it being a single marine battery to, to – make, uh, you know, five pots of coffee, it, it kind of puts things in perspective to us. And, you know, we can laugh about a lot of things there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, 10 minutes for your coffee or 12 days of light. So five times 12, that'd be 60 days of light off of one marine battery or five cups of coffee. But I had people write to me from Sandy and say that one of the biggest hardships was they had to stand in line at Starbucks for over an hour for a cup of coffee. But um, let's put the nail in the coffin and get everyone to understand how much energy is really in the the battery. This is important for you to really understand. Jack, do you consider one quart of gasoline a lot of energy? Yeah, I do. I think
1: it's a lot more energy than most people realize. If you want to see how much energy it is, uh, don't do this for real. But imagine tossing it into a fire and watching what happens.
0: Well, I have a better example for you on how much energy is in one quart of gasoline um, uh, my your truck let's say weighs uh, six thousand pounds and it gets twenty miles to the gallon, and a quart is a quarter of a gallon. so imagine hooking up a rope and pulling a six thousand pound pickup truck down the road for five miles and ask yourself if you wouldn't trade that for one quart of gasoline. That's how much energy there is in a quart of gasoline.
1: Yeah. And I mean, another way to look at it is it'll run a generator for a fairly good period of time as well and put out a lot of power out of that generator.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It depends. I mean, depending on your generator, a quart of gasoline will last about an hour. And while, that's about how much electrical energy is in your standard group twenty nine size marine battery, about the same amount of energy as if you put only a quart of gasoline in a the generator, then captured all the electricity coming out of it. Let me repeat that. Your battery has about the same energy in it as one quart of gasoline going through a generator. So let's put a few things in perspective. How never mind, heck. I'm going to give you a technical term for once. It's called a turndown ratio. It means what is the maximum and the minimum something can put out. If you have a 2 kilowatt generator, what's the maximum it can output? 2 kilowatts, 2,000 watts, right? Now, let's say you wanted to run a little 2-watt LED light bulb off the 2,000-watt generator. 2,000 divided by 2 is 1,000. Would the generator use one one thousandth of the gasoline to run the little two watt light? No, it would not. It does, it does not have a turn down ratio of one thousand to one. It's got a turn down ratio of maybe five to one. Generator actually has a turn down ratio probably closer four to one. So your two thousand watts is full load. A quarter of that is five hundred watts or a quarter load. And it's going to keep spinning there and able to supply 500 watts no matter if you're drawing 2 watts, 4 watts, 20 watts, or 100 watts. It generator is going to burn the same amount of fuel as if it was providing 500 watts all the time every minute that it's running. That is what a turn down ratio of 4 to 1 is. Now, this will really clear a few things up in your head of why the battery is so good at low power. Now, I take a 12-volt marine deep-cycle battery, and I put it in my car, and I crank the engine when it's cold. How many amps was I drawing? I was drawing up to about 500 amps or more, only for a few seconds, but that battery is outputting 500 amps to start my car. Let's say that is its maximum. Now, let's say I take... My same 12 volt battery out of the car and put on the kitchen table, and I put on a little LED that draws 20 milliamps, just a small one, bright enough that you can see what you're doing, and you won't trip over or anything. And that is 0.020 amps. 500 maximum divided by 0.02 minimum is 25,000. Generator 25,000 battery. Sorry, generator four, battery. 25,000. Your battery has a turn down ratio of 25,000 to 1, and the generator has a turn down ratio of 4 to 1. The battery is only going to supply the exact amount of current it needs for the load. It has to. It's called Ohm's Law. The generator is running on something called a Carnot cycle, and that is not Ohm's Law. That is why I tell you to run silent, run deep with your battery because it is so darn good at giving you a little bit of energy when you need it when the power fails. When the power fails, your cell phone, your TV, your radio, uh, those will all just become useless. That marine battery makes those things that were useless useful again because cell phones do not take up much energy. A radio doesn't take up much energy. Small LED lights don't take up much energy in comparison to the amount of energy that's stored in the battery. Now, your sump pump might draw 500, 800 watts, but it's only doing it for 30 seconds at a time. And a sump pump is a real high-priority item. How much would you want to spend on backup batteries after lugging water from your sump downstairs, upstairs, and, you know, throwing out five gallons at a time outside at 3 a.m. in the morning? Boy, you'll be buying batteries and a generator the next day pretty darn quickly.
1: So it, it really it becomes clear there's certain things that are I, ideal to run on battery power, certain things that maybe we do without or we run on generator power. Uh, what else have you seen people put on a battery that they really should not put on a battery?
0: Well, my point is a lot of power for a short time is good. A little power for a long time is good. A lot of power for a long, to- long time, very bad. So what people put on things? They have tried to put very big things on for a long period of time, and they have gotten really burnt. I had this guy write to me, and he said he's given up on using batteries to keep his house warm because the 1,500-watt electric heater he puts on his 2,500-watt inverter would not last very long. Apparently, he thought he had a 2,500-watt inverter that magically multiplied what was in the battery. It's what I call the lightsaber mentality. An electric space heater is 1,500 watts. 1,500-watt 1500 load would last 15 to 30 minutes on a good marine battery, probably closer to 15 minutes. So he thought he was going to heat his house 15 minutes at a time on a battery. Now we're all laughing at this, okay? I hear all of you doing that. He was in the right church with his ideas, just in the wrong pew. See, you don't try to heat the house and then let the house heat you. You heat yourself and only yourself. You don't heat the house with the battery. I have slept in my camper when it's was 15 below outside, and I was sleeping in my T-shirt and underwear, and I was warm as I could want to be. This is because I had an electric blanket on me, not the old type with the click-click-click type of control on it. I mean one of the new modern one, uh, like one from uh, Bidford. It's got a little digital temperature controller on it. It's got a little computer in it. So what it's going to do is it's only going to let the blanket heat up to a certain temperature and then it turns itself off. You can't burn yourself with it. Now, what I did was I crawled into my bed in my trailer and it was a good six-inch futon mattress filled with foam. So that's insulation. I went on top of the futon. That's me. And on top of me was the Bidford Electric Blanket. Now, it would be foolish for me just to have electric blanket by itself and let the electric blanket be exposed to the minus 15 in the trailer. All of the heat would have gone to inside the trailer and none of it to me. I want that heat for myself. And that is why I put two very big and thick quilts over an electric blanket to insulate it. You could do the same thing with uh, some really good sleeping bags. Now, you'd never use an old electric blanket, under those blankets. Those just were regulated by power, so the uh, power going to the blanket, so if you insulated it, it would heat up and it would burn you. Those days are gone with the temperature sensing modern digitally controlled electric blankets. It's impossible to get burned because the controller knows the temperature of the blanket. Now, I happen to have no, had my watt meter with me, and do you know how much that electric blanket was drawing? It was drawing 6 watts, six oh. And it was not a constant 60 watts. It was 60 watts or 10 seconds about every minute. So that would be about the same as drawing about 10 watts all the time. Hey, you put 10 watts of electric heat all over your body, and you make sure your body heat and that heat cannot escape, you'll stay warm. So the guy was in the right-church-wrong pew with his idea instead of being in the right pew wrong church. The idea is you heat the person, you don't heat the space. You cool the person too, not the space. That is why you have a small fan blowing on your face from your battery power. That is why when you run your generator, you don't run your AC for the whole house, but you just run one 5,000 BTU window AC unit in your bedroom. Well, I kind of just contradicted myself because I did two shows on TSP on generators, generator show one and two, and you know where to listen to them. Um, if you had a big generator running off natural gas and it was hooked up with a transfer switch to your entire electrical panel, you could run your whole house and your whole AC system. But like I said, i talked about that in the two-part generator show I did on TSP. Uh, but my point is when your energy is low, you heat or cool the person and not the place.
1: You know, and it's it's straight up right what we teach in Wilderness Survival People go to build uh wilderness shelters and they try to build it nice and big so they can stand up and all We want to build the smallest shelter we can in the wilderness that will do the job because it's easiest to keep warm and it's exactly the same thing and Paul Wheaton we had on where he did his experiment through a winter in Montana, and he kept his thermostat I think at fifty five degrees to see how low his electric bill could be, and he did what you were talking about he had an electric heater uh electric blanket. He had like an electric heating pad for his feet when he would work on a computer. He even had a heated keyboard, and <laughs> he was able to keep. I think his electric bill in Montana with electric heat was something stupid like fifty-five bucks during a winter or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Montana's cold, but he was heating the person, not the the, the space. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that that absolutely works. But is there anything else you've forgotten to mention about home battery banks?
0: Yeah, the voltmeter, one of the most important things in the battery bank. If you watch the video I have, you'll see it all through the video on the battery banks. I have it on battery1234.com, but you can get one at Walmart. It just plugs into the cigarette lighter, and it tells you the voltage. It also has a red, yellow, and green light on it, so at a glance from across the room, you can see the voltage, and you can see a green light and know that your battery bank is good to go. My battery bank is in a storage area in the furnace room. So anytime I'm in there, I can see the green light and I can see the voltmeter. I know all is okay. If I see it turn yellow or something, I know something's happened. The charger got turned off or something else failed. Um, Like I said, the charger will turn off after 24 hours if it can't charge the battery. Maybe it fooled itself and it did that. I've had battery chargers on for so many years in some locations that the fans and the battery chargers just died, and the battery charger would only do five amps instead of 35 amps. So plug in the battery voltage meter as a health indicator, and you should have this on all of your battery banks. Last thing you need is going to your battery bank when you need it, and it's dead that gives you that horrible sinking feeling in your legs like you look over the edge of a tall building.
1: So I bet you've been doing this for a while. How long have you been doing this, and are there any other little Harris tricks that you like to have running on your personal battery banks?
0: I've had a battery bank in my house on a 24-7 basis since about 1995, and boy, uh, were inverters expensive back then. I've gone through several versions myself, I have had one at my mother's house and there was a big storm at her place in the summer and she was outside with her neighbors and they all wanted to know why all the lights and the TV were on in her house and they didn't hear a generator. (laughs) It was funny. All of my good close friends and preparedness students have battery banks. I personally know of a few dozen people I've helped get battery banks and now... About maybe 55,000 of you listening to all this, and some fraction of you are going to have a battery bank. In fact, if you make a battery bank from this show, please email the photos to me. I'd love to see it. And I'd love to take those photos and share it with others so we can spread the can-do attitude. If other people see you doing it, they're more likely to go, you know what? I can do that too, and they'll be better prepared. One of the little tricks I like to have with my battery bank is I always like to have a light on in the house or on the battery bank. For myself, I just have a little 2-watt LED lamp on all the time running off a small inverter. That way, if the power fails, I have a light at the end of the tunnel I can start moving towards, because when the power fails, it's dark, and the light will reflect around, and you can move towards the light. For my mother, I have an LED rope light. Uh, at the edge of the ceiling in her main hallway. The LED rope light is on all the time as powered off the battery bank and the battery charger. So if that light ever goes off, she knows something is wrong, and something did go wrong. The fan in the charger broke. and Then the charger broke, and it boiled all the water out of the batteries. And when the, the batteries got so low on water and acid, they would not function anymore, and she called me and said, Steven, the lights in the hallway went off. I had her check the battery bank in the basement. The green light was not on. The meter wasn't even on. Uh, the inverters weren't on. Nothing was on, and we knew we had a problem with the batteries. Had a guy come over and check the acid level in the batteries, and they were almost dry. So on one of my trips uh, back to her house, I took some golf cart batteries with me and a new charger, and I fixed her battery bank. That took a good six weeks to happen, but my point was that she had an indicator in her everyday, daily life as to whether or not her emergency system was working. She seized the green light as well when she went to do laundry in the basement, but the LED rope light was a solid daily indicator all the time that it, it was working. If she did not have that LED rope light in the hallway or the voltmeter on the battery bank showing a green LED, then she'd have no idea at all that her battery bank was dead until the power failed during a thunderstorm or a blizzard, and she went to her battery bank, and it would not work. Having an indicator like that is very, very important.
1: And I think that there's like a lesson there beyond just having an indicator. So for you or me, the little meter and all, we're going to check it, we're Tinkerers, we do stuff like that. You set something up for your mom-in-law, your dad-in-law, or something like that, or your mother. uh, And you say, you know, make sure you can once in a while take a look at this right here. And if it changes, you tell me and we'll fix it. Yes, and then maybe or maybe not, that's going to happen. But having that string of lights in that in that place, that was something that was so obvious that even the person that's not going to be as attentive as you or I was able to notice it. And yet, it took a while to get it fixed, but it did get fixed.
0: Yeah, it did get fixed, and the power did fail, you know, that winter in a snowstorm. And her furnace doesn't have a fan in it because it's an old coal furnace with natural gas, so it just has to turn on the relay. And so she had heat in her house during the blizzard when no one else did because of that little battery.
1: That's awesome, man. Now look, I'm going to ask you a question I already know the answer to, but I got to ask it. I bet you I bet you know what I'm going to ask when I say it that way. I know the answer. You know the answer. But I get this question a few times a week. I think since you've been on the show, you probably get it a hell of a lot more than I do. What about true sine wave inverters versus modified sine wave inverters? Is there really any difference? Uh, and do we need a true sine wave
0: inverter for anything in our homes? For those of you who do not know what we're talking about, a true sine wave is what comes from the huge spinning generators from a coal, nuclear, nuclear or natural gas power plant. It's a pure sine wave. If you want to know what a pure sine wave looks like, go to Wikipedia. They've got a great article on it. Anyways, all of the cheaper inverters, or as I call them, The affordable inverters are modified sine waves. Instead of being a pure sine wave, it's more like a stair-step sine wave. That's easier to do with DC electronics for a lot less money. It accomplishes the same thing, but it's like people with bikes or clothes and purses and wine. They get snobby about it and they got to have the best and then you start getting all sorts of stories from them about how modified sine wave inverters won't work with this and they won't work with that and I heard this story from this person and this person, you know, smoked this thing and blah, blah, blah. In reality, they work with everything except for synchronous AC motors. And before you ask, all of the electric motors in your refrigerator, freezer, and sump pump, and anything else, are induction AC motors. They are they like modified sine wave just fine. You're not going to find a synchronous AC motor in your house. Maybe in a machine shop, not in your house. There is a horrible myth about electronics needing a pure sine wave inverter when nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, most of these uh, People with these solar generators, these these uh, things that Jack and I don't like because they're pretty much scams. We're telling you how to make one right here for nothing, and they want to charge you 2000 bucks. But they say, generators will hurt your electronics. No, they won't. That's just because they want you to buy their thing. All electronics basically run on low-voltage DC, and there is a power supply in electronics that converts any sine wave coming into low-voltage DC, and then it's filtered, it's regulated to very, very precise 5 volts or 12 volts with DC electronic voltage regulators. They're in everything electronic. They regulate their own voltage. They don't want anything dirty coming in. They clean it up very good. So the electronics really don't care if the AC coming in is a pure sine wave or a modified wave, and on battery1234.com right now I have listed a thousand watt modified sine wave inverter for less than 80 bucks. I just went and looked on Amazon before the show and the cheapest true sine wave inverter was 192. That's over twice as expensive for something you do not need. Let me just say that I personally do not own a true sine wave inverter, nor have I ever found the need for one, and that is with two decades of me powering stuff with inverters. I had one of the first consumer inverters ever made by a company. It cost three hundred bucks for a hundred watt inverter. It was in nineteen ninety two, and I bought it from a company called Stat Power. And that was when I worked for Chrysler Corporation. They bought it for me so I could run my laptop in the in the vehicles while we were doing tests and collecting data. That's how far back I go with inverters. And just for fun, that was a 386 monochrome compact laptop. I still remember it. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean,
1: I just keep saying it just so people will think the right way. Even if you had the money for the better in your head sine wave, true sine wave inverter, buy two of the other ones and have a redundancy or take the money and put it into another part of your backup power system or buy some dadgone food with it or buy some dadgone medical supplies with it. I, I I know there's people out there that, you know, they have to stretch to put together a basic system. But there's also people out there that financially you can afford to build the best of the best. And what Steve's always trying to say and what I'm always trying to say, say is I would rather build an adequate system with four redundancies in it than build what is, you know, by a technical spreadsheet the best with no redundancies in it. Because here's the here's the key. The, the The adequate system with the four redundancies is a better system. Because it, 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 there's no way the other system's better without any redundancies in it. And, and that you know, can go into a permaculture uh, concept there. You always want to be building things with a web mentality so that one thing fails, safes back to another, not so that one one component fails and the whole system goes down.
0: So two is one, one is none, three is for me, four is, four is to go. Four is, I don't know, we're going to find something on four. <laughs>
1: By the time we're done, we'll be having six redundancies and everything. But, um, you know, on that note, what about after Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Sandy? There were a lot of abandoned cars. And after Fukushima tsunami, there were cars littered everywhere. Are those batteries good?
0: Well, in part one of the show, we covered the difference between a starting battery in a car and a marine deep cycle battery. So if you keep that in mind, yes, they're, they're good. I think they'd be a great source of improvised or expedient field harvesting of energy. The only question is the salt water. Now, salt water is conductive to electricity, but it's not that conductive to 12 volts. It's not like a short circuit across the battery. It is a short circuit if you have 120 volts, 240 volts, or 22,500 volts of AC running underground like they do in New York. The salt water just shorts everything out then it's very damaging. But we're only talking about 12 volts. So if the battery has not been submerged for too long, I don't think it will, I think it'll still have power in it. The most important thing is did salt water get inside the battery? If that happens, it's shot. It's no good. But, you know, those caps on the batteries are on They're pretty tight. They're very well sealed. So I don't think the salt water is going to get in, especially if there's only a few feet of water over the battery. I have some storm damage photos and the battery video, and I suggest that this might be a good place to harvest some batteries, especially off of, after a big tornado. No salt water involved. Um, all of those batteries are going to be fine so after a tornado. So if anyone yells at you about removing them, just tell the officer that you're removing the batteries so the vehicle doesn't catch on fire. He will probably believe you. <laughs> I would not just use them as a source of battery energy, but you can, but as a battery bank to recharge by your car. So if your neighbor has evacuated his house, you can go to his place and rip some wire out of the wall, which will be 14-gauge solid wire. Now I'd strip the wire and hook up all the batteries to each other, and then I'd pull my car up and put jumper cables on them and charge up the battery bank. And then I'd put my inverter on it, and then I would run silent, run deep. (laughs) So do you think we've killed off home
1: battery banks? How about uh, mobile battery banks? How about something bigger, like you mentioned about uh, mobile battery bank for TSP disaster response team uh, usage?
0: Listen up. This is going to be fun and so flexible it's going to blow your mind. We are talking about the larger ba- a larger battery bank needed, and it's going to be in the back of a pickup truck, and it's going to be bouncing around, hitting bombs, etc. So right away I'm going straight with golf cart batteries and I am, of course, going to use two of them because the GC2 golf cart batteries are 6 volts each, and we need two of them to make 12 volts. But you could go with four of them or six of them, but six or eight would really fill up the bottom of your toolbox in your pickup truck. So I'm just going to go with two for now. That's enough because the truck is recharging them when you're driving, and that will run your electric chainsaw for a long time. Two golf cart batteries is enough. You could go with four, but two is enough. So what I did, and you can modify this any way you want, is I went to Tractor Supply Store, and I got a brand-new truck box that goes across the back of my Dodge diesel full-size pickup truck. And then I put the two golf cart batteries in the truck box. Now, this looks a lot better in the battery video. you understand what I'm saying more. But I put the batteries in the box to see how they would fit, and then I pushed them up against the front of the box towards the cab, then I went and got to the Home Depot and got some 2-by-12 lumber, some 2-inch-by-12-inch floor joists from Home Depot, and I measured and cut them. I built a wooden box all the way around the batteries, and I used – I didn't want the batteries to move. So I used uh, 2 and a half inch long quarter-inch hex lag bolts to go through the sheet metal of the truck box and, all, and into all of the wood. These things are in there tight with the wood frame around them. If I get into an accident, I don't want those 130 pounds of batteries moving and trying to come up and visit me in the cab. Then I took what was left over of the 2x12 lumber and I screwed it down to the inside lid of the truck box. So when I open the lid up, there is a 54-inch piece of 2x12 attached to the bottom of the lid. This gives me a place to screw down all of the electronics. So you're gonna screw
1: the inverter down to the bottom inside of the lid of the truck box, then, right?
0: Yeah, I am. If the inverter is upside down, but that's the best way. When I, but that's that way. When I open the lid, the inverter is easily exposed. It's coming up with the lid. I can now plug into it easily. It's got plenty of room up there for airflow and for the fans to suck in cool air. Plus, if it starts to rain, I can lower the lid a little bit, and I have a built-in rain shield that keeps the inverter from getting wet. So I'm screwing down all of my electronics to the underside of the lid, to the underside of the wood that's screwed into the the lid, and because I have a 2x12 there, it's easy to take wood screws and screw everything down nice and tight. My inverter and other things aren't going anywhere. Mounting to the metal, the truck box would be a lot more involved, a lot more detailed. you got lots of little bolts, nuts, washers, lock washers, and Loctite. I'd just rather screw it down to the wood.
1: Yeah, it makes me think back when I used to build out telecom closets. The first thing you do is put up a three-quarter inch piece of plywood and everything, then got mounted to that instead of trying to mount it to a wall, worry about studs and everything. Uh, but now we've got that done. we got everything ready to go. we got batteries back there. Uh, and we want to charge those batteries uh, every time we take a drive to get a loaf of bread or go to work, so we keep them topped off. Uh, how are you charging the batteries with this system?
0: I'm charging the batteries from the alternator of the pickup truck. But first, I need to isolate the batteries in the rear of the truck from the electrical system in the front of the vehicle. Now, there are things called battery isolators that are sold in the RV market, and they do this. They are sold to keep the batteries that power the RV separate, from the battery that powers your starting system, but yet it allows the front of the vehicle to charge the batteries in the back of the vehicle. These are nothing more than a diode with a big, big heat sink, and I did not want something that dumb. A single diode does not regulate the amount of current flowing through the wire from the front of the truck to the back of the truck. If the batteries in the back were really down in charge and I started the vehicle, it would pull a lot of current from the front of the vehicle to the batteries in the back. And I'm talking it could pull 60, 80, 100 amps of 12 volts right there. And uh, if the battery was low enough, and that would require something like 2 gauge wire. Okay, 2 gauge wire is the size of your finger. And that's nearly over $3 a foot at Home Depot. And I need to go a good 20 to 25 feet with that wire times two. One for red, one for black to run from the front of the vehicle to the back of the vehicle. Now, I only wanted to run 30 amps. No more than 30 amps from the alternator underneath the hood and the batteries to the batteries in the box. And to do this, all I needed was six-gauge wire. That's buck three a foot at Home Depot in year 2012. Now, I got 30 feet of red, 30 feet of black. I twisted them together with a drill to make a twisted pair. I show this in the video, incidentally. It looks better than it sounds here. And I ended up with using about 22 feet of wire to go from the front battery down the front of the truck, zip-tie it to the outside of the frame rail of the truck, and then back up between the cab and the bed of the truck, and then through a hole with a grommet, I put in, in the back of the toolbox and then to the batteries.
1: Now, we're getting to what I'm excited about because this was the entire reason that I brought this whole project to you in the first place. Uh, what did you put in there so it would only draw 30 amps and no more and charge that battery and isolate it from our front battery base? Because that was the X-Factor I was looking for from you in the
0: first place. Wow. Gee, instead of doing a month's worth of work, I could have answered it for you in about five (laughs) seconds. Yeah, but then everybody else wouldn't get all this stuff. I know, and it's worth it. I love it, really. It's a labor of love. Well, Jack, I looked high and low, and I mean, I really looked into all options for you guys, and the best option was to use a smart, intelligent solar charge controller meant to charge a battery bank from solar panels it's a 30 amp solar charge controller from sunforce i have it on the battery1234.com website so you can see it everything is there now and can we say this all at once the sunforce it is a computer controlled intelligent three-stage battery charger It's as smart as a Schlumacher battery charger is. When the truck is at idle or driving, the alternator is making between 13.8 and 14.7 volts. And that is enough voltage for the solar charger to take up and to precisely charge the batteries in the back of the pickup truck. When they're full, the charger will maintain them and keep them at 100%. It works like a dream. Keep in mind, this starts to add up in price. Assuming you already got the pickup box, and I did, and I had to go buy one, or you got one used off of Craigslist, and I did look on Craigslist, couldn't find one near me, you need the deepest one you can get. It's got to go all the way from the rails to, like, one inch off the bed, guys. The golf cart batteries take up a lot of height. Two GC2 golf cart batteries from Sam's Club are 94 bucks each plus $15 core charge each. The 30 amp Sunforce controller is about 99 bucks. The 1600 watt Whistler inverter I have on it is about 130 bucks. Heck, there's $60 in wire just going from the front of the truck to the rear of it. Plus wood and hex lag bulbs. You're now up to $500 and we're not even finished yet. So, it can add up quickly.
1: Well, you know, and we wanted to do something here. We wanted to make this thing cost less than a solar generator. Do everything a solar generator doesn't do, and do what solar generators do, which is actually continuously produce power even if we're out of gas. So, what about solar energy?
0: Can you recharge it with a solar panel? Well, what do all you guys think my answer will be. You <laughs> have a 300 horsepower diesel engine. You got 30 gallons of diesel fuel and it charges as you drive down the road. Yes! Everyone wants a solar panel in the battery bank, so do you know what I put in the video? I put in the solar panel. I, Steve Harris, have a 100-watt solar panel super lightsaber and 30 feet of 12-gauge wire with a nice little connectors on them going to my battery bank. The solar panel will go anywhere around the truck, and you can lean the panel on any angle you so desire to get the best sun. I have enough wire that you can park the truck in the shade and put the solar panel in the sunshine. Now, I could put in a double big double pull double throw switch and switch the wires from the front of the 30 amp controller over to the solar panel connector. However, by time you look at a 30 amp double pull double throw switch, that's 40 bucks right there. And that can let alone handle 30 amps continuously. And then you look at six huge connectors going to the switch and in you know three splices in the wire, you're gonna have you have to make room for the switch. I just did not want to put that much stuff to go wrong in my main power line from the front of the truck to the charge controller to the batteries. I wanted one smooth run with no interruptions, nothing to go wrong, nothing to break. So what I did was I got a $30 10-amp SunForce solar charge controller. Again, it is a computer-controlled three-stage intelligent con- charger. And I use it for what it was really intended for. I put the solar panel on it through 30 feet of 12-gauge st- stranded wire and hooked it up directly to the batteries. You can have the 30-amp charge controller and the 10-amp charge, con- charge controller on the same batteries at the same time. You don't need to switch one and switch one out. Now, someone told me they'd like to go hunting for two weeks at a time and that they'd be 20 to 40 miles from the nearest town out hunting and they would not run their truck even for those two weeks. And it'd be nice to have a little bit of sunshine, putting energy into the batteries while they were out hunting because they wanted to use the battery bank in the back of the truck for some lights and other creature comforts while they are camping. So I put a nice-sized 100-watt solar panel on it, and so there goes another $277 right there, plus another $25 in 12-gauge wire, plus another $15 in connector for the wire, so you can plug and unplug it easily. Now, I have one safety thing to mention about running the wires from the front of the truck to the back of the truck. I got two 6-gauge wires going from the front all the way to the back of the pickup truck to the solar charge controller. If I got in an accident or I hit a big rock or a curb and I smashed those two wires together and shorted them, all the energy in the front batteries would be a dead short and the wire would probably glow red with heat and the insulation would catch fire and I'd probably burn down my whole truck. What I did was on the positive six-gauge wire going to the front battery, up near the front battery, And I show this in the video very, very detailed. I put a 60-amp Mini Kota, that's a brand name, M-I-N-I-K-O-T-A, DC circuit breaker in the line. These are made for trolling motors. They're about 30 bucks each. So now I have 30 amps max running through the wire, and the circuit breaker is 60 amps. So that circuit is never going to trip unless that wire gets dead shorted out somehow. No surge is going to do it, nothing like that. I also show you how to do this with what's called an ANL fuse. They're for big car stereos, it's a bit cheaper than the Minicoda Circuit Breaker. But I put this I put in a 60 amp slow blow fuse in there for protection. It costs about fifteen bucks to do this. Uh, so there is one safety item I put in my six gauge wire running directly from the batteries to the front of the truck to the charge controller in the back.
1: I'd say it's money well spent, too, because you're talking about uh, quite a bit of power being dumped uh, if you don't have that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with the short circuit, it's a good thing to put in there.
1: So now that you uh, you, you, you you capitulated, got yourself a 100-watt solar panel
0: and hooked it up to the thing, does it work? I don't know. There's not been a day of sunshine since I put it on it. I'm sure the sun will shine soon enough, but so far, <laughs> no sunshine.
1: I think one of the things people should look at, though, they do get how to put that solar panel into the system if they wanted to, and they could use that information to use a solar panel system for a system in their house. I mean, it's all the same uh, theory,
0: right? True,
1: 100%. So that's good. So, again, I mean, what, what Steve and I are trying to do is prevent you from spending 2500 bucks for a so-called solar generator that <laughs> – is in a quarter of what we've
0: taught you to build for for, for less than half of the price. Well, and, you can do it a lot cheaper because they don't have two big golf cart batteries in there. No, they have a small sealed lead acid battery like what's in your UPS. So I'm saying our batteries cost 200 bucks, but their battery literally costs 20 bucks.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we want you to stay away from that it just doesn't make sense and a mobile system like this and you add solar capability to it so if you don't want to run the vehicle for whatever reason, in a long-term situation where you're out of fuel or whatever it is you've got that capability but you've also got all this power every freaking day every time you start the motor to go out and get a quart of milk or go to work yep and yep. then they just stay charged i mean how simple is that uh, now what else do you add to the box because you got all that space back there to work with and i know you
0: Oh, uh, lots of stuff, Jack. Stuff I mounted to the wood under lid lid. The lid, I went and got a round uh, pull chain light socket from Home Depot, and I mounted it on the wood and put in a 6-watt equal to a 40-watt LED light bulb and ran a small 120-volt cable and plugged it into one of the three outlets in front of the inverter. That way, the instant I turn on the inverter, the LED light comes on, and I know for 100% that my inverter is working. Same thing is true if I'm working out and about, and the truck is doing its miscellaneous power for me and for other people, and I see that the light is not on, it's like, whoops, the inverter's not working for some reason. You know what, son of a gun, you can see, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, boy, it really lights up everything in the box just absolutely perfectly. In fact, what I've been doing is I've been going to the grocery store, and um instead of putting my groceries in the bed of the truck, I've been putting them in the box of the truck, and I open the lid, turn on the inverter, lights everything up, I put the groceries in there, you know, turn it off and shut it down, and people are looking at me, it's like, he just lit the whole place up from the back of his pickup truck. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, I know something, I know something went wrong, and I'd better go have a look at it. Again, I like putting lights on things because you know they're working without a doubt when you turn them on. Um, I also put in a four-outlet metal wall box like you'd have in an industrial setting. It was only a few bucks at Home Depot, and that way I got four quick, easy outlets bolted to the back of the lid. I can plug 120 volts into real easy. Uh, and how how is that hooked up to the inverter? It's on the same line as the uh LED light bulb. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So it's not a high-current outlet. I mean... Yeah, but it's like,
1: there and it's easy to access.
0: Yeah, I used, uh, used, uh, I w- to plug in the LED light bulb to the inverter, I just went and got a $1.49 extension cord, which is, you know, two wires next to each other. It's light. I just like cut it in half and stripped the wires and crimped on some connectors and screwed it onto the, uh, uh, screwed it onto the, uh, the light mount and then plugged it into the front of the truck. And all of
1: that's in your video
0: instructional. Oh, that's in the right. video instruction. Right, you got it completely. So where was I? Um, in the space between the side of the box and the wood holding the batteries. The batteries are in the middle of the box, so there's space to the left and to the right of them. In the center of the toolbox, I, I, I have the extension cords. I have a bunch of my famous three-way outlet adapters that I just plug into each other to make any size outlet strip I could want. I have my regular jumper cables. I have 30. I have another Schumacher 30 amp 120 volt battery charger, just like the one I use on the home battery bank. I have a bunch of other stuff in the back just in case. Hey, you said jumper cables. What's, what's up with those? Well, that's kind of fun. Well, several things. One, if someone has a dead battery, I can jump them from the front of the truck. I can jump them from the batteries in the back of the truck. Let's say the batteries in the front of my pickup truck die. After all, they're five years old. They're due for replacement. I can jump the front of the pickup truck with the jumper cables from the back of my, uh, from the batteries with jumper cables in the back of my pickup truck. And yes, my jumper cables are long enough to do that. Now, let's say my 30-amp battery charger takes a dump and dies, and I need to charge the batteries in the back of the pickup truck with the truck at idle. I hook up the jumper cables from the front to the back to charge the batteries that way. And at the same time, provide power to the inverter. There's no end of combinations of what you can do, and you need all this flexibility for what I call self-rescue. I mean, again, we're talking like six different ways of doing stuff. So you have two battery systems, but you're six times more reliable because of it. Don't those solar generators have uh, six times more reliability? No, they don't, do they? No, they have single point of failure, which means one thing fails and you are done for.
1: So what's up with the uh, the battery charge? You have a 30-amp, 120-volt battery charger there. Right,
0: right. This is the same battery charger that I use for the house. It's for lots of things. Let's say I have a home battery bank, and I want to move energy from the truck batteries in the back of the truck to the battery bank inside the house. Or let's say I want to move energy to the top of a third-floor apartment. I turn on the inverter, and I run uh, 100 or 200 feet of extension cord from the inverter in the truck up to the third-floor apartment. Actually, I dropped the extension cord from the top <laughs> of the third floor bar. I don't run it off. I drop
1: it down. I'm laughing because I've seen people try to throw ropes and, and cords up to porches. I've seen it. I don't get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and try it again, a little higher. <laughs> yeah, okay. Go. Ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. Then I hook up the 30-amp 12-volt um, Schumacher battery charger to the battery bank in the house, and i let it charge the batteries in the house or the apartment. I can do this with or without the truck running. I might drain the batteries in the back of the truck a bit, but if I'm going to start up the truck and drive someplace, that's I'll be putting energy right back into them at a rate of 30 amps as I drive. Also, let's say someone else needs a jump and they're not close to you or – you just don't want to get out the thick, heavy jumper cables and go from jumper from battery to battery and everything else. You just want to turn on the inverter, run an extension cord to the battery charger, clamp it onto their battery, and let it charge at 30 amps for about 15 minutes. Put some energy in his battery, then take your charger off and let him start his car. Also, I can do the same thing with the batteries in the front of my truck. If I leave my lights on and they go dead, I can charge the batteries in the front of the truck with the battery charger from the 120 volts in the back of the truck and start up after a good 15 minutes of charge. Sometimes this might be easier than trying to start the truck through 21 feet of jumper cables running from the front of the truck to the back of the truck. So I got lots of redundancy. I can do it with 110 and uh, a 30-amp charger, or I can do it with straight-wire jumper cables, which have nothing to go wrong with them. Now, let's say the batteries in the back of the truck take a dump, and my battery charger is not working either, and I sustain some damage for some reason to the charger or the the wires going from the front to the back, I have an extra 800-watt inverter in the back of the box in the truck. After all, two is one, one is none. If my 1600-watt inverter died, I can hook it up and use the 800-watt inverter for 120 volts. Now, if the batteries in the back are dead and my wire is gone or damaged, I can put the 800-watt inverter on the front of the truck, and I can run 120 volts to the 120-volt 30-amp battery charger in the back of the truck. And this would be a good idea to have your truck at idle or at half the time when you're doing this. Two inverters, jumper cables, 120-volt 30-amp charger, and a lot of extension cords give you a lot of flexibility and options. There has to be a combination of over 20 different things I could do. Now, that's a lot of two is one, one is one redundancy.
1: Now, I got one more for you. I got my little off-grid bug-out cabin. No, I won't tell anybody where it is. And I go out there, and instead of having an off-grid solar-powered system for my bug-out cabin that can be stalled, smashed, vandalized, and taken away while I'm not there, there's nothing there except, you know, the cabin itself. I pull my truck up. I run my power off my truck into my cabin. I've got my solar-powered ba- and truck-powered battery backup system out in my truck. So now I've got a redundancy if it can't be stolen. Now, since I'm smart, I also have my little inverter Honda or Yamaha generator that i use to run certain things that are higher draw requirements uh, inside my cabin during peak usage time there's a cord running from that out to my battery charger out to my truck. So even though my truck's sitting there for a week, while I'm piddling around out at my bug out location and I'm not out in the truck, not only are the batteries being topped off by the solar whenever the sun's out, but if I fire that generator up, I can go ahead and start charging those batteries up again. So now I've got this system with all these redundancies in. The biggest reason I wanted it mobile is not just for things like DRT and my hunting and my fishing and my camping, but if I'm out at a bug out location, I've got a a redundant power system that uses alternative energy, truck energy, generator energy, and frankly, any other damn energy I can put into it. But when I leave, it goes with me, so they can't steal it or damage it. And I'm telling you, folks, with remote properties, if you don't have a line-of-sight neighbor with a really good uh, scoped rifle, somebody will find it eventually, and when you leave something like that there, they'll break it or take it.
0: Yeah, you can put the solar panels on the truck, and you can run the 120 volts into the house and charge the battery banks in the house that way. You can put the solar panels on the cabin, go to your battery banks in the cabin, and you can run 120 volts out to the charger in the truck and charge it that way at all. I mean, it's so redundant and flexible. It's beyond description. And it can add up into some pricing if you want to do all these things to it, but it still costs less
1: than one of them stupid solar generators that I hope to God none of you people ever consider spending your money on. I know I'm kicking this one, but I care about the audience. I really do. I always try to protect you guys from things that I see as predatory, and I don't see anything more predatory than those systems. When you look at what you can build with a system here, and Steve, if somebody wanted to build a system very similar to this and had a passenger car they could scale it down. They could make it work. It might not be quite as clean and powerful as putting it in a truck box, but this time you in your bread from gasoline video, you had basically a scaled down version of this system that was yes. portable.
0: That could yes. come out
1: of the truck and go to another truck.
0: Yes, I did. Yes, I and then people
1: can see that with your because you're giving that for free.
0: Yes, yes. If wow. uh, okay. if you buy the uh, three videos. Uh, there's three videos in, in the battery, the home battery emergency bank video series. There's three videos, and I'm throwing in the fourth one on uh, bread from gasoline for free. So you have well over four hours of video for 24 95 Awesome, man. So what
1: about monitoring the health of the batteries in the back of the truck? We talked about how important that was when those batteries were in our house. If I'm going to have it as remote power, it's even more important. So. How do
0: we do that? I forgot to mention I attach one of those four-way DC outlets I have on the website to the wood of the back of the lid. So I have four 12-volt cigarette lighter power outlets. And in one of those is sitting my favorite battery voltage meter so at a glance I can see the health of everything. The 30-amp solar charge controller also has a voltage and current readout on its LCD display so I can tell the voltage and from there. And more importantly, if the current is flowing and charging the batteries, that's always a sign of health. Plus, there's a voltmeter on the front of the inverter when it's on. Plus, the inverter will squeal when the battery voltage gets too low. I have an LED light on all the time, so my work area is lit up and I have a positive indicator. I can see from a long ways away that the system is up and going and working okay. I can't tell you how important it is to have little different things like that that always are telling you the health of what you are working with is. It'll save you from those, oh, shoot, darn, it does not work moments. You always make sure your powder is dry. Is there anything else in your
1: video that you made on making the home and mobile battery banks that you did not mention here?
0: There's a lot of little things in the video that I can't do here. Uh, I show you how to solder your own thick battery cables together so you can connect from battery to battery with two-gauge wire. And you use a propane torch, solder, and uh, use a hammer as a crimper. It works great. I go into acid safety a lot. I show you how to use a battery hydrometer to check the acid of each cell of the battery so you know the health of that cell and thus the health of the whole pack. You get a bad cell, the whole pack won't work. Uh, acid hydrometers are like eye droppers with four balls in them that float that tell you the density of the battery acid. The four balls are not all floating. It's not charged. I show you how to strip and crimp large wires and how to do it right and a bunch of other little things.
1: Yeah, we mentioned the, the video, but I, I'm glad you go ahead here at the end. You've given people three hours of information on the air here in two days. So give us a, a sales pitch for what this product, because I think at 24.95, it's a steal, um people know me, I do not turn my shows into infomercials. I, I refuse to let a guest do it. But I don't think people even get how much you're getting here because the price seems so stupid cheap.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I actually I went and asked a whole bunch of TSP people what price do you think would be right for this? And the number we all came up with was twenty four ninety five. So that's the price of the unit. Actually it's it's thirty-four ninety five, it's just twenty four ninety five during December in 2012 for TSP people, so come get it. Okay guys, I love you all. I basically told you everything right here on how to do a home and mobile battery bank for free. I'm thrilled to do this, okay? I love to do this, this is what I'm here for. Jack asked me if I could make a video that showed all the little details and how to do it step by step because this is an audio audience and this project needs a little visual assistance. So I did this. The videos are over four hours long so far. I've been working on them every day for five weeks. If you watch the video, I guarantee you will be standing in front of 50 different types of batteries at Walmart, and you won't have one question in your mind. You'll know exactly which one you want. You'll know how to read them, and you'll point to that Group 29 Deep Cycle Marine battery, and you'll tell the clerk, I want that one. You'll see me hook up all the home battery banks from the small DC-1, um, you are only using DC all the way up to the one with two golf cart batteries and the 55 amp charger and a 1600 watt inverter and everything. You'll see me do the 120 watt inverter as well. You'll see, like I said, I do everything step by step from the smallest to the biggest for you. You'll see me build the battery box in the back of the pickup truck from a hundred percent bare empty box all the way up. To everything I described. I mean, I show you how I put in each piece of wood. It's not just go, I go, okay, now you put a wooden box around the battery. I show you how I built the box, okay? I don't leave that up to your imagination. You can have all of this wisdom for less than 10 bucks an hour. Heck, even make Donalds pays more than that. The price for the videos is $34.95, as I mentioned. But just for all of you TSP people, during the month of December 2012, you can come and have all three of the battery videos. Plus, I'll throw in my famous bread from gasoline video for a grand total of $24.95. For $24.95, you will get instant access to the video. You'll get your own little access code, and a link. And you can go to the website and you can watch that video in 720 HD right now. No downloading needed. It's an HD video, and by the time you hear this, I might even have it up in 1080 HD video. I I used HD uh, photographs and video for everything that I did. You will be able to download the video to your computer if you so desire it, so you can watch it without a connection to the Internet. You can watch it as many times as you desire. There is no limit. You can buy the video right now at www.battery1234.com. That's B-A-T-T-E-R-Y, sorry, B-A-T-T-E-R-Y1234.com. These two TSP shows will be up on battery1234.com. Uh, they'll be available for instant streaming. No charge, no nothing, no sign up. You just tap on them and they'll play on your smartphone or your computer. So please send your friends over. This show and all my past shows, as always, are listed on solar1234.com. S-O-L-A-R-1234.com. That's my radio show website. Thanks to all of you, and thanks to Jack Spierko and his graciousness for allowing me the privilege of talking to all of you. That site has grown a lot, which is why I made Battery 1234 just for this one big subject. Every single item or tool I have talked about in this show... And, and, every other show is 100% Stephen Harris approved. That means I've bought it. I've used it. I've beat it up. I love it. I've had it for months or for years. And all of those items are listed, um, all of those items are listed for, uh, up on solar1234.com. You can go there and you can see the pictures of them. You can click on the link. You can get them from Amazon. You can do whatever you so desire. It does not matter to me. All of the new stuff for the battery show is listed on Battery 1234. Okay, so all the past shows, Solar 1234, the battery show is on Battery. Sorry, I did it again. So I've been talking for for three hours. All the past shows are on Solar1234.com. All of the battery stuff for the battery show is on Battery1234.com. Look at the photos, buy it from Walmart. You can click on it and buy it right from Amazon. You can get it at Shack. I tell you in my text descriptions where you can get it everywhere. Okay, You're not forced to use my link. Also, on Battery1234 and Solar1234, you can sign up for my email list. It's a big blue button. I don't even send out email once a week, and I should be sending out email once a week. So you don't get that much from me. But if you want to sign up from that, you'll get my latest stuff I'm doing and if I have anything to offer, etc. Also, separately, I have gotten a lot of emails from you guys who really love the stuff and you wanted to help. So I'm giving you a way to help. Separately, you'll see uh, if you really want to, you can sign up for what's called Steve's Power Circle. It's just a small email list of people who can help me with different things. Sometimes I want to bounce stuff off you. What do you think of this video snippet? Did I explain the idea good enough to you? Do I need to change it? What do you think of this idea? How much should I price this for? Um, You can help me with some Facebook posts or some tweets. It's small stuff like that, but you get to see the stuff first and you get to see it for free. So if you really want to, you know, help me a little bit, you can go do that. Also, do you have some questions? Right now, are you listening to this and you got some questions for me and you're yelling at your iPod, Steve, I got this question. You can ask me those questions live tonight. I will be on Zello tonight. That is Z E L L Z E L L O dot com and it's on your iPhone, Android, PC, and Mac. You sign up and you go search for the channel or the group that's called The Survival Podcast. Three words. When that one pops up and it says Modern Survival, which is Jack after it, That's the one you want to join. I will be there at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight. And I will also be there at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time next Wednesday and next, sorry, I'll be there next Wednesday and next Thursday. Because I realize not everyone has listened to the show on the same day it came out. You might have listened to a few days later and you want to come and ask me some questions. So I'll be there uh, last night and tonight and in a week on Wednesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. You can stop in and ask me questions live. This is all audio, no video. Uh, we can all talk to each other. It's like a party line. Everyone can listen to everyone, everyone else the same. It's great fun. Please come join us on Zello. It's a bunch of great people, and we would love to have you there. Anything else I missed, Jack? No, I just want to say a couple of things. Number one, uh, just
1: the two Zello appearances uh, alone twice is four hours of time Steve's dedicating to you guys. So, uh, you know, I know I let him go on and there about how great the product is he just put together, but it's because it's that damn good because, well, I asked him to build it and he did. And, uh, that doesn't happen a lot with a lot of people. So, uh, that's, that's a huge thing. The Zello thing, again, just go to Zello.com, uh, get the app for your smartphone or get the app for your PC. And uh, as long as you got a microphone on your PC, you can use that. If you don't have a microphone on your PC, all you can do is listen. Uh, but it's probably worth doing that as well. And uh, join us on Zello because it's great. The product itself, the the uh, the videos uh, in HD quality are, are just going to be an awesome product, an awesome gift, and being able to download it and put it on multiple computers and look, look at it whenever you want to or take your laptop out to your truck while you're building your system like I'm going to do uh, is extremely valuable. And unlike a DVD, it won't get scratched. <laughs> so, dude, thank you for putting this together, and thank you for always doing such a great job for us.
0: Well, It's a labor of love, Jack. I mean, you you really got me addicted to your audience. Um, I do this because they're so great. They email me with questions. They show me pictures. And when people take your advice and they actually do it, I mean, it just makes you want to do more uh, other than saying something and it falls down like a lead balloon. So it's the quality of the people. It's the quality of the community. uh, It's a labor of love for me. I just absolutely love doing it, and I can't wait to supply you guys with even more stuff. And like I said, everything on TSP is free, and I'll tell you how to do everything for nothing. Well, who, who knows what I'll come up for, you
1: for, for with for you next. But anyway, real quick, guys, on the Zello stuff, just to throw some dates on this, unless something you know drastically changes. Uh, this These two shows should have aired the 12th and the 13th So the night of the 12th and the night of the 13th of December 8 o'clock Central Time on the Zello TSPN channel And then the follow up kind of encore appearance The 19th and the 20th Right before Christmas there Steve thanks for taking the time to do that And with that folks this has been a monster Two episode series we could have made it Three possibly four So again Mr. Harris thank you And with that this has been Jack Spierko Today, along with Stephen Harris, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. It's in our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, we follow our Can't pay There's nobody up there cares.